You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Hello, welcome back to episode 21 of the TV Obsessive podcast. My name is Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for tvobsessive.com. I am joined today, as I always am, by Cameron Crane, executive editor of the site. Cameron, uh, when was the last time you smoked in church? In a church? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I've done that one. <laughs> I can say never for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. It's like high school. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't yeah. think don't think I ever lit up in church. You snuck into the old abandoned church and lit, lit one up in high school. No, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I ever did. We, had, I mean, no, yeah. We had. I did like I was associated with the church when I was in high school and the youth group and stuff, and we did have like um, overnight, yeah, lock in things, you know. So it's like I, you know what, like one of those kids might have smoked in that church, <laughs> but that uh, wasn't. Well, that kid can be president, at least can be a fictional president. Uh, we'll get into that later today. Yeah. So you know, we're today we're going to talk about uh, the West Wing, two cathedrals. Uh, really, one of the standout episodes of the series. We'll talk about the West Wing a bit in general, I suppose. Also, uh, so hopefully people have seen the episode, uh, season two, episode twenty-two is what our notes say i think that's right and um yeah so as per usual we'll, we'll talk about some recent news chat about what we're watching a bit in a spoiler free sort of way and in the latter half of the podcast dig in with spoilers on the west wing this week it's the west wing not always the west wing mm-hmm. um anyway so it's november 7th ryan in november already oh boy clocks changed we're no longer saving daylight. <laughs> no, that's good. The good TV comes out in November, so I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's call your eye on the news here this week. Well, can we talk with uh, about about the SAG strike a little bit? There was sort of a non-update update where the you know another one of these best and final offers came came in, yeah. um, and SAG said, "Nope, uh, we we have issues with this." So. This, I hope, is not your your best and final offer because there's still a lot of negotiating to be done. Yeah, we should talk about this because, as you say, I mean, to some extent, it's a non-update update, but at another level, I'm worried. Yeah. Um, now, I want to be clear here. I'm very much on the side of SAG-AFTRA. Mm-hmm. You can see things in the trades and so on and so forth. You know, there's a brief reporting. But it would appear, and this is in part coming from following people on social media who are in SAG and following SAG and, you know, all of that, that um, the big sticking point is indeed AI. Yes. And that in this offer, which I still, I don't know, I don't understand the PR of calling it (laughs) your last, best, and final offer. I don't like... I'm just going to take my ball and go home. That, that, that's what it, 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 and like, no, you aren't. What are you going to do? Just not make. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no one's walking away forever. <laughs> right. Not right? Going to be the final offer. Like, well, fine. We'll just make nothing but AI films. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. Uh, we've talked about this a bit before, but I did see some language, and I don't know for sure that this is accurate. I believe it is based on my like social media sources or whatever, you know. 
where the AMPTP was saying in this most recent offer, um, they were going to have the right to uh, scan actors, use them in perpetuity, uh, maybe pay them the one time, no guarantees that they had ever paid them again for any kind of reuse, no rights to say no to the footage yeah. being reused, whether you're alive or dead. The estates of deceased actors would have no rights whatsoever and not receive any compensation. Yeah. And um, in terms of what I've read, if this is the sticking point, I think, I mean, they've got to stick to their guns on this. You know, I mean, if it were me, I would, I would want to like ban doing this stuff, <laughs> but they at least yeah. need to, you know, get rights of refusal and, and all of that. And, and I don't want to be obtuse about this, but it's just the, do the these executives actually have an expectation that the actors are going to agree to this? I don't know why there's ever an expectation that they will say, sure, you know, or even scam me once and you can use it 20 times and then you have to come back. You know, I, I don't that is something they're not going to budge on. So I don't know why, again, you would present something as the last best and final that would have that kind of language in it. You know, you know, it's non-starter. You should. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know these people. I don't know these executives. I saw, I saw someone quip that they're the worst kinds of people in power, foolish ones. Yeah, you know, they're, they're just like detached, like that. I guess that's the most charitable I could be. That they don't understand the that's felt right. stakes of this. That that's that right. this lands for lots of people as like an existential threat. You know. Yeah. I guess I understand that they want to do some of the stuff with AI. Um, I'm not really on board with it personally, but, you know, I understand. But, you know, you got to give some ground. I think that the best hope is to land somewhere where there's not only guaranteed compensation, but yeah. rights of refusal and consent yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. And that middle ground should exist. It's just, it's really kind of depressing that we're months into this thing and you, you would still have the MPTP saying like, well, we still want to scan you forever. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's the most baffling. We don't have to dwell on this. That's the most baffling thing for me is that you would turn over your likeness or your image to be used however they deem it to be appropriate. Right. So if, you know, Showtime wants to put you in a one of these one a.m. movies that they you know that they play, then they just can use your likeness, whatever whatever they want. You know, I don't, I don't know how this all this works, but it's it, it's just it's baffling to me. Yeah, it is. Like it really. I mean, it's I don't know, I don't know. You know, anyway. you go off on a whole tangent about because <laughs> there's there is something kind of interesting about it in terms of the ethics, I suppose, and like my philosophy mind gets going. But you know, it's like you know, you can't. Who's going to agree to this language that leaves the door open for them to do with your likeness whatever they please? Yes, exactly. Forever, you know, um, and how that it's not even just that they might do things that are horribly offensive. Like, I guess that's one worry, but how it undermines, I don't know, the profession. And yeah, it's, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, All right, anyway. so we got a we got a renew, a reboot, and a return. Which one do you want to go with? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm taking order. Uh, the uh, the bear has been renewed. Yes, finally, we're both happy about this. 
Um, we talked about the bear uh, as we got this podcast going. If anyone wants to go right. back and listen to Ryan and I talk about the bear, if you didn't watch the bear, go watch the bear. Yes. First of all, uh, it was a great show. And um, yeah, they got an official renewal. That's wonderful. Again, you can't expect anything to happen until the yeah. strike's over. Uh, I do, do, if... do you think that, you know, every piece you read says, oh, the strikes has something to do with why it took from June until now to announce this renewal. Do you buy that? Do you think there was something else there? Uh, I mean, it's weird because I might have thought that, but the strike's not over and they announced it. So now yeah. I, I don't know about that speculation. I almost um, wonder if it was one of these cost-saving things. Like, will you announce it? Then you're going to have to start paying people to go back to work at it, I mean, even though there were strikes going on. So, you know, but again, yeah, there's still a strike going on right now. I guess that now that the writers have come to their agreement, you can announce it knowing that they're going to get back to work. You're not going to not renew the show, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think there could be something to this because, look, there's also been some stuff trickling out in the past week or so maybe before SAG-AFTRA refused the latest counterproposal, some of it, uh, expressing real hope that like, the start of the strike is going to end yeah. really soon. Like, um, yeah. I read one thing about Saturday Night Live booking, you know, big-name hosts yeah. who have big movies coming out, right? Now, I mean, as actors, they're allowed to do this, but they're not allowed to promote their movies unless the strike ends. Yeah, you know, so you like have Timothy Chalamet and be like, never heard of Wonka. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but like that was making some hopeful. All oh, the strikes about to end, so yeah. I mean, it could be along similar lines. As you say, the writer's strike is over, so yeah, they can renew the bear. The writers can write the season three, and then yeah, you know, maybe maybe that's part of the logic. Have it have it written, and then well, you know, once the actors can get back to work. We right. Anticipating that that ends sometime in the weeks or months to come. I mean, clearly it's weeks or months before any cameras would start rolling anyways, since they're just getting back to work on it. So just anticipating that that will, you know, they want to, they want to be ready to go. I think with a show like this that just sort of achieved new levels of popularity, like it did this summer, they don't want to wait two years, right? They want to get this out as, as soon as they can. Right. Ideally on some other things, we are going to wait a couple of years. They, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if you saw this. This isn't in our notes, but maybe you know anyone anyway, can mention it. HBO said like the White Lotus is going to be yes. 2025. The Last of Us season two is going to be 2025. Yes, um, but they did say House of the Dragon is going to be summer of 2024. Yes, and we've talked about this before. How they were able to continue writing, continue filming because they had an almost exclusive British cast and crew. Um, the showrunner apparently, I forget the guy's name, but was not there for a period of time, but he's since rejoined them and an American showrunner, but they kept going. And so they're going to be ready to go this summer, apparently. Yeah. I don't know if that was in line with the original plans. I kind of feel like it was, they were saying 2024. I think all along, it was never, they never promised it earlier than that. Yeah, I don't know. Are you excited about House of the Dragon? Are you into House of the Dragon? Yeah, I, I do want to see uh, see the second season, if only because you know there was so much criticism about this. Oh gosh, every two or three episodes we're getting this huge time jump with what happened, right? So they had this whole cast of young versions of of actors, and then they have this pretty significant time jump, and it's all. 
well, it's mostly older versions of themselves, except for a few people that they just aged up to match what uh, what they, they would be. So it, yeah. it, it, uh, it, it caused a little bit of where are we, who are we with um, throughout the first season. But I, I am someone who thought it ended strong. I think the middle was a little bit shaky, but it ended strong. So I'm like, I am looking forward to the summer. And you know, we, we've talked about how HBO's basically got True Detective coming in January. And then is there anything else between then and House of the Dragon? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Of course, the Gilded Age is Gilded on right Age. now. I, I presume you, like me, don't watch that one. Never seen it. Um, you know, I, I'm not not trying to demean it at all. I've never watched it. Maybe yeah. I should check it out. Um, it's got some, you know, like pretty good cast members and everything. But see, it, it feels a bit like a period, uh, yes. period drama, soap opera kind of thing. Maybe it's good. Um, yeah, House of the Dragon. I yeah. will. Pro- I will keep watching it, but I don't know that I'm. I'm still scorned by Game of Thrones a little bit. <laughs> and I don't trust it. Like, yeah. I, 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 that's the thing. I, it, it, I watch it and I think, oh, you know, this is pretty all right. I'm entertained, but I don't <laughs> trust it to be good in the long run. I think that's part of the problem. So I think we've had this conversation before. So this is exactly the way that my wife thinks. She refuses to watch it because she's... <laughs> Won't be fooled again, as they say. Um, so I mean, it's got different I'm people not. involved and everything, know. you know. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it was weird to me watching House of the Dragon. I think one of the smartest things they did was keep the opening music from Game yes. of Thrones. Yes. Because when it hits, I do think like, oh, I, I remember oh, yeah. when Game of Thrones was really good. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember when I was into that. <laughs> and... Uh, so, yes, I'll be watching. Certainly, I will wait until summer, but it's it's coming. Yeah, summer is coming. House is so the na- the last one we want to talk about. Now, this is a show I remember watching the pilot, but I don't think I ever picked back up after this. But you noticed here that there's going to be a reboot of Prison Break. I want to say a Fox show from about 15 years ago, right? Yeah, they're at least talking about it. Okay, well, this is one of these things. We'll see if it happens. Um, it, it, it kind of caught my eye. I have watched Prison Break. I just binged it at one yeah. point, you know. <laughs> um, it, it's a, it was an eminently bingeable show. Gotcha. Um, spoiler alert: it's not multiple seasons of breaking out of prison. Like, like <laughs> okay, I'm glad you said this because I, <laughs> I had this conversation with someone. It's like, how long does it take to break out of prison, or how long are they searching for them? Or how long are they creating the plan? Right? Is it like the first season making the plan? The second season breaking out? The third season on the you know? Just, what's the structure of this? And how long does it actually take to break out of prison? In my recollection, about a season. Okay. And but but then, <laughs> you know, then then other stuff happens where it's like they got to break out of other places over again, and like it's and it kind of I, I recall the I recall it kind of becoming a heist thing in in, gotcha. in certain ways and okay you know getting this this kind of convoluted sort of cons because it's like there's a conspiracy that put the innocent people into prison it's it's yeah. I don't know it's a whole thing but it's pretty entertaining I don't know if they'll reboot it but yeah. you know I, I just find it interesting when shows the title of a show is an event and then when the event happens you know what do you do what do you do after that. Yeah, no, no other things jump to mind, but just that's a interesting philosophy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty entertaining show for what it's worth. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, 
what else we got yeah, here? Yeah, I want to touch on the Echo trailer that came out. Okay. Um, so as as we've talked about, I've I've watched every second of every MCU property, you know, much to my the dismay of my mental health, but it's 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 something where Echo was had a lot of a lot of negative things swirling around it before this trailer came out. This was another show where Feige hated what came out, kind of restarted it, pushed it back three or four different times. Um, he wanted it to sort of run in the continuity. The trailer clearly shows that that's not happening anymore. Um, so all the sort of negative press was swirling around this show. And then the trailer hits, and, it, and it's got some incredibly surprising things in it. Number one, that it's part of this new Marvel Spotlight brand, which is they basically come out and said, we're going to produce some properties here that you don't have to have watched everything else to be invested in this show, right? So All right. That's, that's good, even though this character and Kingpin the villain was in the Hawkeye show, was in the Punisher show, was, you know, it's anyway. So moving past that logic. So Marvel Spotlight, you don't have to be invested. But then also this trailer sh sh says at the end, it's going to be on Hulu and Disney Plus. Okay, so that's a change. And if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, be sure you change your settings to allow TVMA. So this is the first trailer or the first show that's going to be produced as part of the MCU that's going to have that TVMA rating. And the trailer is incredibly violent. Incredibly violent. It's very Daredevil Punisher level. So wait. Disney Plus has a setting. Yes. To disallow TVMA, and that it, and that setting is set by default to be on. That's what I'm inferring here. I guess so, or maybe because you've turned the controls over to your kids, maybe you've got the TVMA turned off. You know, I don't know. I don't have that. But on. but you also just said this is the first one. Yes. Yes. So I much so that they had to put a tag at the end of the trailer. Saying when you watch this show in January, be sure you go into your settings and turn off the restriction for TVMA, or make sure—you know—I don't know the exact language, but make sure that you are allowed to watch TVMA when you turn on this show. It's interesting. So I don't know. anyway, the whole... this is just a surprise because there was this sense of, oh boy, this is just going to be another thing that's in the long line of trouble. No one cares about it. Not going to matter. You know, how are they going to try to shoehorn things into this? And then all of a sudden, there's all these different pieces about it, all these different things that people weren't expecting. Um, and so I don't know if it's that's been, I mean, clearly it's done intentionally, but now it's sort of piqued everybody's interest of, oh, okay, well, it's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be a save the galaxy storyline in this show. There's not going to be something where I really have to have understood where this character came from, you know, a cameo during the Hawkeye series last holiday season to understand what's happening here. So, you know, again, I'll be watching it, whatever. It, it, you um, know, like, <laughs> it's weird because what you're saying and this Marvel spotlight idea, as I understand yeah. it, is like, oh, well, like what they did before on Netflix. Like, it it kind of feels like it's the same plan. Like you turn on Daredevil, yeah. you didn't have to know everything. It's sort of street yeah. level, you know. Anyhow, I mean, I'm all for it insofar as yeah. those were my favorite thing that they put out basically exactly it, it's so. just becoming very clear now that the biggest mistake that they have made 
is trying to connect the movies and the TV shows. Number one, there's not the audience there. Number two, they've not done them well. They've not done them certainly to the level of the films. Um, and so if they had just done a separation of church and state, as it will, again, to reference something we're going to talk about later, if they, if we, they had just done a separation of those things, then just kept some continuity, continuity through the movies, had the TV shows be these one-off things that are really interesting stories, really interesting characters, I think they would have been in a much better position than they are now. Maybe they're learning their lesson, but might be too late. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So Echo, yeah, cool. And yep. then, yeah, anyway, we, that's enough on that. Um, speaking of Marvel, you're still watching Loki. You've got one episode left of Loki, right? One left, which, you know, of course, now put on my my criticism hat where, you know, it, it, we're back to at the end of the series, you know, the, the ads are coming out as everything will change. You'll never guess what's going to happen next. All things point to this, you know, all this stuff about, okay, it's like this is the 13th episode of a TV show that you're trying to connect to 30 movies and nine other TV, you know, so, okay, let, let's just try to dial back back a bit. The The show has been good, not as good to me as the first season. It's been, it's had an interesting concept. The characters in it are fantastic. The actors in it are fantastic. But I, I just am, as, as you know, quite speculative of, uh, this is going to be a big world-changing or galaxy-changing event in the finale of this episode coming up this week. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, as you were saying, though, it's it's, it's an interesting contrast because Very. if they're kind of shifting in the direction of, oh, well, you know what? Maybe we don't want to make it so that you have to have seen all of the TV shows and all of the movies. You know, yes. when then, well, this would be in contrast to that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. if they're going and, like, and as we've discussed, every TV show besides Echo has been pushed way in the future. Yeah. It's sort of like, let's let's re-strategize here before we get ourselves into anything else. Yeah, interesting. I've got a couple of things on, on my docket to mention. Yes. Uh, neither of which is out yet. Um, the Curse, which we, we've talked about before you know the curse is a new show from nathan fielder and benny safty starring fielder well and benny safty star is in it too yes. actually and then stone um uh, i've seen the first episode of that that comes out on friday uh as you might expect <laughs> it's a bit discomforting i was gonna ask you for one word to describe it and i guess that's your best your best word <laughs> yeah i somehow it was like it's weird because I love the rehearsal and all yep. of that, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm excited for this. And somehow I didn't really think about it until I started watching it. Like, oh, this, yeah, this show is going to make me squirm the whole time. Isn't it? This is going to make me like very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, I'm very, it's, I'm very jealous that you've seen it. I, I really cannot wait for this show. It's really good. I, I will yeah. say that, you know, just based on the first episode. And I'm writing on that week to week. So my first. My article on the first episode will come out on um, on Friday, like one in the morning. And uh, then FX was also kind enough to give me uh, screeners on the murder at the end of the world, which I mentioned before. Um, and uh, that comes out on the fourteenth. But reviews are out there, so I guess I'm allowed to talk yeah. about it briefly. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, I, 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 it's good. <laughs> Is this the show? And I should have I should have checked this before before we turned on here. Is this the show where like a, a body is found at different stages through time? Is that the show, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, must be, must be something else. I don't 
think that's what I think that might be bodies anyway. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I heard good things about that show, Bodies. That was one where like Netflix flew under the radar, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I try to pay attention and I didn't notice it until after it's out and people were talking about it. Um, which I don't know why Netflix likes to do that. They did that with EOA, kind of mm-hmm. just like sneak attack phenomenon. <laughs> um, but then of course they canceled the OA. Murder at the end of the world is the new show from the creators of OA, Brit and Zal. Uh, so far, I will say, uh, you know, maybe they're not taking as big of a swing, you know, if, for people who have seen the OA, that's a very kind of unique and distinctive yeah. show. And through, um, the first couple episodes of, um, the murder at the end of the world, relatively straightforward. I mean, it's not like completely straightforward, but it definitely doesn't seem, um, as, um, kind of uh weird as the OA, let me put it that way. But um it's good. I mean it's shaping up to be a murder mystery or like I think it's multiple mysteries. That's the thing. And there's mm-hmm. like there are kind of a couple different timelines and there are questions at um a couple different levels. And uh, I'm really wondering how it's ultimately all going to hang together. So uh, I'm I'm very intrigued. That's got a two episode premiere on the 14th, and then okay. like seven episodes overall. And they're saying it's a limited series, which the changeling aside, I think means only one season. <laughs> yes, I've, uh, we we've heard your soapbox on this. This is this is a, <laughs> this is, this is a, a branding vernacular problem they've got going on here. It's like words have meaning. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I did read that um, they want one more season of The Changeling, and that's it. So that's it. Okay. we'll see if they get it, and we'll see if I watch it. I um, guess in the end, all things are limited, but... Uh, yeah, it's kind of like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, speaking of two-episode um, premieres, uh, one thing I have decided to write uh, is for a few things about. We got screeners yesterday for Monarch Legacy of Monsters... Comes out on Apple TV Plus, week from Friday, the 17th, the two-episode premiere. There are 10 total episodes. Um, so, again, this, you know, me and all all car carry members of the nerd culture are excited about this show. So, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see sort of the holes that it fills in between some of these movies that have come out recently. And I remain intrigued by this idea of Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell playing the same character 40 years apart. So, I'm looking yeah. forward to watching it. Probably will dive into the screeners we got this weekend and have something up next Friday about it. Well, cool. yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think of that. And, yep. you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I might watch it eventually. There's so much stuff. Yeah. I say that now, but we are probably going to hit a dead zone. We we, we still <laughs> oh, haven't yeah. quite. I mean, there's like a little bit of, there's probably a bit less stuff in October than there would have been a normal mm-hmm. year, maybe, you know, but um it still feels like there's a lot of good stuff coming yeah. out and i mean there's still drips coming out of the hose right now but pretty sure it's going to run dry unless we get something you know some some real resolution of some of this stuff but even then the gap is going to be there probably going to be in the spring we'll see yeah to some I mean, we got what we've got true detective i think they're saying january yep three body problem Last I yes. saw, they were still saying early 2024. Still supposed to happen in January. Um, the Fallout TV series is coming in April. So oh, okay. 
Um, they announced that as April 12th. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. Anyway, yeah, that's all that's on my radar right now. Cool. Well, let's get to the West Wing, eh? Yes. All right. So again, uh, we're going to dig in here uh, on the other side of our little music break uh, on the West Wing Season 2, Episode 22, Two Cathedrals. So there will be spoilers um, on the table for the West Wing, at least through this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah bear, bear that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and go watch the show if you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you haven't seen the West Wing, like go watch West Wing. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Pause, um, watch, watch 44 episodes and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we'll take about 10 seconds, throw in some music, and we'll pick up on the other side. Okay, welcome back. It is time to talk about the West Wing season two, episode twenty-two, the finale, entitled Two Cathedrals. This is the last of my four favorite episodes. This is the last face on my Mount Rushmore there, Cameron, of the favorite episodes we're gonna talk about today. This is um an episode uh I think widely praised as part of this this series, and it focuses on the aftermath of a couple of different things that happened through season two of the West wing. Um, there is a situation at the end of episode 21, where the longtime executive assistant to president Jed Bartlett, her name is Miss Landingham. She has been killed by a drunk driver on her way to pick up her first new car. So in the context of her funeral happening, and then in context of a tropical storm that's coming through Washington DC in May, which is a very rare, uh, very rare thing. The president is dealing with a number of crises. First and smaller would be a um, sort of a hostage situation, a coup in in Haiti that he's trying to manage. But the larger situation is we have discovered in season two that the president has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It happened about eight years ago. He has hidden that during the campaign, hidden that during his presidency, and it is they are about to announce this to the press. And so this this question that hangs over everything is not even so much why did you do it or how do you feel, but are you going to seek re-election considering you are you have a potentially deadly illness and that you lied to the American people about this. So this sort of culminates in this press conference of how uh, he has he has admitted it uh, to the American people. And the episode ends with this cliffhanger question of someone saying, will you seek re-election? Um, you know, this this show, as many people know, it's a real all-star ensemble cast written by Aaron Sorkin, probably the, the peak of his TV TV writing career. Um, so it's, and this really may be the peak of this show in, in particular, um, this series of episodes leading up to the end of season two and beginning of season three. Um, so just thoughts on West Wing in general. You've seen the whole thing. Was this a sort of later you caught it and binged it? Um, your general thoughts on this episode, the the show and Sorkin and his style, just sort of want to start there. Yeah, no, so it was. I came to man, when did I watch the West Wing? I think it must have been like 2013 or something. 
um it took me a while to come mm -hmm. around to it i remember when it was on um and uh yeah it, it, i mean it's funny that you ask about i don't know thought uh thoughts and feelings on sorkin in general because <laughs> they're mixed for me um yeah. and there can be a really odd way where i almost have to be in the mood for aaron sorkin um and if I am in the right mood, it's like, all right, everything's fine. You know, if I'm in the wrong mood, I'll turn on the newsroom or something and go, people don't talk like this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it is not <laughs> realistic. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 no one's this witty. You know? Yeah. yeah and there's exactly. also like, a, it, it's kind of amusing, particularly if, if, you know, you're in a negative mood about Sorkin. I remember one time I watched this, um, uh, like, I don't know if calling a video essay is even right, but it was a Sorkin supercut and it was different characters from different shows saying the same lines, <laughs> like the same little witty quips. <laughs> and, you know, anyway, in general, I think the, the, where the writing is good yeah. is in, I mean, it's also in that dialogue and in the way in which, I mean, I guess this is sort of the thing that um, there are, like, within this episode, there are little callbacks to mm -hmm. things within the episode itself, um, some of the structure of the writing. And I guess that's always the question for me is whether it lands powerfully or whether it feels a little too contrived or something. Yeah. So Sorkin sort um, in this show... It, it, it was then, and it still is now, sort of this double-edged sword where it, people often talk about this show, oh, this is this idyllic version of politics or this sort of utopian version of politics. It's, you know, nothing is this way. This is the Sorkinized version of, of how things should be and what his fantasy is about it. And then, of course, they talk about how after he left after the fourth season that, oh, the show just fell off. It's just nothing like it used to be, nothing like it could be, nothing like we think it it. Uh, it, it it should be. And it's sort of, sort of this thing where he sort of created this world or created this environment to these characters, which I, I mean, I, I do love this show, watched it through a couple of times. Um, and, and so you, yeah, you sort of have to balance the idea of, of the story, particularly in those first three or four seasons is very good. But can you look past some of the kind of high browness talk down to you pieces of it to to you know to really sort of get get more involved in that in that story and that's a lot of what his his stuff is yeah i mean look uh, look i want to be clear i love the west wing and yeah. if everything sorkin has done i like the west wing the most and if everything the sorkin has done i have the least kind of problem along the lines of what i was just saying with this show somehow yeah. you know and i think part of it's the cast Part of it's some of these characters. Part of it's we've got Toby and CJ, and I just watch yes. them all day long. Yep. And Josh, and like you know, the the way that it sucks you in, particularly if you start identifying with these characters. I mean, I do think that it is an idealized version of American politics, or that it yeah. is a fantasy of sorts. But if it works well, it's sucking you into that fantasy. Yes, you know. If you're if you're viewing it as a distant at a distance and kind of thinking like oh this is Sorkin's um, fantasy you know it, it's an interesting question like yeah. how how cynically you view it and how much you allow yourself to get kind of caught up in wishing that we actually had a functional government.
So I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, if you're paying attention sort of to this, the timeline of when this episode aired and the timeline in general of this show, this episode aired in May of 2000. Um, so we're just on the on the verge of a, an election in this country. Um, there's mentioning things we talk about later about what happened when season three started up, and what they had to do. Um, yeah. oh, sorry, this is May of 2001. Excuse me. This is May of 2001 that this came out. So we just had an election. Um, and so the, th- you know, third through seven seasons of this are going to go through this time period of looking at a government while at the same time in the real world, we have these, you know, these, these wars and we're sort of fighting this, this war on terrorism. Right. And so there was this again, well, let's just watch this as a way of things could be, or should be, or we wish it was. And then there was this resurgence of this show, you know, back about six, seven years ago as people sort of thinking the same thing, you know, we think we wish things would be, <laughs> the wish that wish that they were um we're on the doorstep obviously of 2024 and another election year i will admit right now i am planning to watch this series through again in 2024 <laughs> um yeah. just to avoid what how much of a train wreck the next year is going to be um i guess we are one year away exactly today from from election day um pretty much it's election day in various places today that's right that's right so anyway yeah it's just sort of this I can, as you said, get past those things because I do love these characters um, so much. I do love, you know, for me, it's not so much the 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 dialogue and the hurdles you have to jump over to get through some of that, but really just the, you know, who these people are trying to be and what they're trying to do to help other other people. That's that's kind of the strengths of it for me that I like so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think in the broad stroke, the, the fantasy, and it sucks to say this is like a fantasy. Yeah. But the fantasy is that you have um, everyone in government who have, you know, maybe they have meaningful disagreements, you know, there are meaningful disagreements between the Democrats and the Republicans, but everyone is trying in good faith to do what they think is right. Yeah. Everyone's trying to do what they think is right for the country. (laughs) That's probably look at the real world and it's like, I I can't believe that. (laughs) You know, like George Santos, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny you say that because in episode 21, there's a little bit of spillover of this in episode 22. Josh is trying to fight this battle against big tobacco, and they've gone to a House subcommittee to try to get appropriations to fund the Justice Department to go to war against the tobacco department or the the the, the tobacco, tobacco company. Yeah, yeah. US I, don't department think that, I don't think tobacco. that exists. Yeah. Um, well, there's ATF, but that's different. <laughs> And they tell him like, oh, you know, how is this subcommittee voting on on giving us this money? And they said, oh, it's eight to seven, but it's not on party lines. We got two Democrats. They got two Republicans. And it's just sort of this that just doesn't exist anymore. There is party lines. And if you don't have something that you, you don't basically win or you don't have the power, then you don't get what you want. And it's just, yeah, there's some of these things that just they do seem yeah. like fantasy now. Well, and to- I mean, this this is the thing. We're, we're old enough. If, you know, if we were paying attention in the late 1990s. Yeah. It's like when the West Wing started, <laughs> this was this was already a fantasy in relation to yes. 1990s American politics. And then it's like real world politics just went. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyhow, we're, we're probably talking about the yeah. real world and real world politics too much here. Um, yeah. Callbacks to the episode. So as you mentioned that it is a bit of a cliffhanger at the end. Yes, And this is one thing that I wanted to point to. I think part of what's effective about the episode is it isn't, it isn't. Because you have in the flashback scenes with Mrs. Landingham 
um, you know, her calling him out that when he does mm-hmm. this thing where he turns his head and smiles and puts his hands in his pockets, yep. that means that he's decided, right? And that's how the episode ends. You don't actually get him saying he's going to run for re-election. Yeah. But uh, it's... We, we basically that's sort of, sort of there, can there be two ways you take that? That he does that tell that Miss Lanahan points out or in the in the flashbacks, just that he's made a decision or that he's made a decision to do the quote unquote right thing or the thing that, you know, what is the right question or the right answer when you have lied to the American people and you're episode under, you know, reelection. I think it's just a matter of, yes, he has made his decision and it's more the time spent with this in this conversation with Mrs. Lanningham in the Oval Office, she obviously she's not there, but just sort of this manifestation, this conversation helps him come to the realization of why he's going to do what he does. Actually, probably shouldn't say what the answer is. We're not going past this episode too much, but why he's going to do what he does. Um, it's I'm, not because I'm, of all these other things, you know. I'm not super worried about the spoiler. <laughs> obviously, he's running again. Yeah. There's five more seasons, so <laughs> yeah, like it's not. When you, I can't, I can hardly imagine watching this for the first time and really being in doubt. Maybe because it's a season finale, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Martin Sheen doesn't leave the show after season two. This is right. This is um, right. So, of course, and you know, if you think that there's a way in which when you're talking about whether it's the right thing, if nothing else, the show does suck you in to, um, being on Bartlett's side and rooting for Jed Bartlett. Yes. I I don't know if you could enjoy this show if that doesn't land for you. Yeah. Let Bartlett be Bartlett. All this yeah. stuff. Like, <laughs> the, he is the exemplar of a good man trying to do good works in a imperfect system. You know? And if you're not behind him in that, then I yeah, don't know if it would land for you. It is kind of interesting how you have... Um, in the flashbacks where Mrs. Lanningham is um, trying to push him to talk to his dad about mm-hmm. how women are paid less than men at the, at the university. Because um, he doesn't really do it. That's what I think is most noteworthy here. Yeah, he doesn't do it. Um, and it, I wonder why we didn't get that. So we, we get this moment where he goes to his dad. We think to try and talk to him about this issue. But instead, his dad confronts him on another thing. It was very aggressive and violent towards him. And then Jed leaves without bringing up this um, this thing. So it's sort of like this parallel of he wants to do the right thing. He wants to fight injustice. He wants to to go to bat for the people that can't go to bat for themselves. But he's backed down from that because of obstacles. So yeah. now he's facing a similar thing, whatever, however many decades later. He wants to do it. He needs to do it. He feels an obligation to do it. And he's got obstacles in front of him. And so then it leads to this thing where, you know, is his dad, like confronting his dad in that moment, is it the same as when he confronts God in the cathedral? You know, sort of these parallels there. And now he's willing to challenge it, whereas before he couldn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that is the parallel. I think that is the resonance we're supposed to draw. Yeah. You're absolutely right there. I mean, but I don't know about the thing, the last thing you said. We'll talk about the cathedral soon. Okay. Yes. But I don't know if that's um, maybe maybe you tie that in. Um, let's hold off on that for a minute. I think if nothing else, the parallel we are supposed to be thinking about is his father is representing that kind of institutional authority, and so he gets mm-hmm. us talking down 
and he basically he gives up he doesn't persist you know and that then in the present day um he's at least conceiving of it as the same kind of structure yes like it's the institutional authority it's the common prevailing wisdom or what have you that he needs to not run again um because he has ms or because he concealed the fact that he has ms yeah or kind of both you know um it's kind of interesting to think about in terms of is there a big difference in terms of when this is set as opposed to now mm-hmm. um i don't know my understanding is that treatments for ms have made some pretty significant advances for whatever that's worth yes i think um, so and he talks about he's in he has a, a regressive remission form of ms that rarely manifests itself and that's why he chose to hide it because it rarely becomes an issue for him uh that doesn't make it right but it's just that's sort of his justification right yeah and he's not gonna let that get in his way or what have right. you but um i think i mentioned uh last week i haven't revisited an article but cat smith wrote about this for the site and uh and part of what's interesting about cat's article which i'll recommend to everyone again is that um, Kat has MS. Mm -hmm. And so she had this personal kind of angle and relationship to that aspect of the question. But, uh, you know, not to speak for her too much, but my understanding is she she does like a shot a week and then, you know, it it manages it. It's manageable, yeah. yeah. Um, But I don't think that was the case 20 years ago. It may not, yeah. It may not have been. so why do we think, sort of going back to what you asked about that flashback, yeah. why do we have those flashbacks with them talking about the salary inequity, with them talking about um, Jed needs to be the one to confront his father, who's the headmaster, about this issue? Is, is this just to get more of the character of Mrs. Lanningham or to understand their, I mean, obviously this is their origin story together, but um, how they have grown with each other over the over for these years or just how Jed has grown from understanding, well, I ran up against something that I can't confront. Do I still want to be that or do that same thing as I'm confronting things now, now that Miss Lanningham, sort of my cheerleader, the person who's urging me to do this isn't here anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it's filling in her character, right? Yeah. Um, because we, we've previously really seen her as his secretary basically mm-hmm. you know and and i do think these flashbacks give some depth to her yeah in a way that um well i, I mean i think that works well you know yeah um, i remember seeing or thinking at the time having seen this the very first time i watched this that you get this news at the end of 21 that charlie says that she has died and then we only see her in these flashbacks and i remember you know you're six or seven minutes away from the end of the episode and you think so I'm really never going to see her ever again. And then she, she sort of appears in this manifested conversation, just being thankful that, Oh, I'm glad that they let her go out this way and not just a, I'm leaving. See you later. And that was the end of her, of her character. Um, yeah. She sort of has become this, um, not necessarily the angel on the shoulder of Jed Bartlett, but just sort of this, make sure you're doing this for the right reasons. Not just because 
you think I would want you to, or because of something in your past, she sort of has a good send off in that regard. I just remember thinking that when I saw it the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I do think it's an interesting parallel to think about how, when it comes down to it, he didn't follow through in the past. He backed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's not going to this time. Right. And him conceiving of it in that way, you know, let's talk a bit more about the cathedral scene. I mean, this is central. There, I mean, another uh, callback in the episode that in the flashbacks, they found a cigarette butt in the in, in the church, you know, it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. no good. And in the present, he lights a cigarette <laughs> in the church, which I don't know, he doesn't generally smoke, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's like he takes a cigarette there on purpose. Uh, <laughs> he asks for this moment so that he can, like, yell at God. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. So you, you mentioned the, the possible interpretation of this as uh you know him kind of yelling at his father or or or, or something like that yeah what well, what what he wasn't able to do all those decades ago with his father in terms of confrontation stand up let me tell you the way things should be or the way that i feel that they should be he's now able to do that or feels like he can do that in this cathedral in the house of god and just really, I mean, we have this translation here of what he says in this sort of Latin speech that he gives, really just cursing God and saying, I'm turning my back on you. He even says, you can have Hoynes, you can have the vice president, right? If that's the guy you want, fine, make it happen. But for me, I'm going to go do the thing I think is right. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Personally, I always have, this always has kind of landed to me as a yeah. lament to God. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of God are you supposed to be a just God, a loving God, wise or whatever. And yet Mrs. Landingham has died for no reason, you know, and all of this and, 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 and so on, you know, and. uh, Yeah, it's it's sort of this interesting of this. um, And I won't certainly claim to be sort of expert on this, but sort of what version of god does he see in this moment right that the retributive god where it is well because i did this wrong thing about ms you took miss landingham or the god of you know there is um some some right answer some right way of doing things and you're going to need to search for it find it come to that come to that realization you know i i don't know that i see that he thinks this is like miss landingham is punishment for what he's done but it's almost like he's at that, he's almost at that point and wants to sort of make it about that. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 at least the way that I read it, I feel like in that moment, yeah, it is sort of that, you know. And then there's a turn, part of his turn as we approach the end of the episode is kind of, um, w- you know, with that um, scene where there's the vision of the older Mrs. Landingham and all of that playing a pivotal role here. Mm-hmm. Him coming to back to the realization, the knowledge yeah. almost. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like, like that, that's not what's that's not what's going on. That's not what he believes when it comes down to it, right? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't believe that that's actually what's going on, that there is some retributive, you know, angry God punishing him. Yeah, because um, there's some other stuff through the episode too in the flashbacks, um, having to do with um, his Catholicism 
and um, yes. he's like objecting to his father about certain things and uh, ceremony, you know, saying Catholics don't believe this and so on and so forth, right? I think that ties in too. Mm-hmm. So insofar as we're getting theological about it, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Personally, I do read the scene as him yelling at God. Yes. Maybe it's also at his father. Yeah, complex. We can, you know, we can talk about Freud if you want to. Um, <laughs> but that then the important movement also relates to this, that he ultimately comes to um, that, no, that that's not what's going on. Yeah. And in some ways, even that, that kind of anger um, was an attempt to shirk what he views as his own responsibility, you know? And so I think that he's saying to himself to back down, to not run again, would be failing to do what I am supposed to do, what I need to do, what I believe is the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's clearly the sequence of events where this happens, they have the funeral. He stays behind in the church. He has this moment where he's just yelling at, at, at God, essentially saying he curses him and turns his back on him. And then has the conversation with Mrs. Lanningham sort of help him understand you know, why are you, why are you taking these steps? Why are you choosing certain things? Why are you turning your back on things that you have believed or claimed to believe or things that you've claimed to um, hold as a high standard just because of the, perhaps the fear of standing up and trying to do what's right in a harder set of circumstances, which is what he's going to have to do. And I I think she says something like this in that scene of the recall, right? That, um, you know, if you don't want to run again, don't run again. Don't blame it yeah. all on this. You know, right. don't, don't blame it on me. Yeah, again, yeah. precisely. It doesn't work that way. That's not what's going on, you know. Yeah. Um, and there is a question the show kind of presents, I guess, about whether he ought to be running again. But I think it answers it pretty definitively by putting us on the side. Of course, we wanted to run again. We don't want points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they had this whole runner of how many people are addicted to drugs? How many kids need better schools? How many homicides under 35? How many people you know, are living in poverty? All these different things in this sort of this sense of um, whether you want to do it for you almost doesn't matter. It needs to matter for them. What's the right thing for them? And if you're the right person you feel to to address those things, then you sure as hell better run again because you can affect those things. And it's not until he sort of realizes that it's not about how hard it will be for them or be for him, but how hard it may be for all of them. If he's not there, that's what sort of helps guide him that, that, that way. At least that's sort of how it took the, um, the last part of the landing hand conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that's how it lands, how it's supposed to land. And yeah, you know, again, it's just like, a lot of work is being done here on the, like, the West Wing sucks us into the president's team and yes. let Bartlett be Bartlett. And of course, we want him to run again. And again, if yeah. you don't, I, again, I don't know if you could really be into the show and, yeah. and not be yeah. kind of team Bartlett. Personally, you mentioned the later seasons earlier. I actually quite enjoy them, but that's probably part of what's at play there too. You know what I mean? Like when you start getting past the Bartlett administration in terms of the main crux of what's going on in the show and onto the next campaign, I guess the 
spoilers for later. I mean, sorry, broad strokes. But that's basically what happens, right? And as you mentioned, Aaron Sorkin no longer writes for the show at that point and so on and so forth. But I think there's some really good stuff there, you know, yeah. towards the end. Do, do you, on that note, the rumor is, maybe this has been confirmed places, I'm not sure. The rumor is this show was very rarely supposed to include the president. Right? It was just supposed to be a senior staff. Maybe every now and then the president would pop in for something more important. But it was really just supposed to be a show about the inner workings of the White House. Right. That's why when you have the pilot, Martin Sheen sort of pops in at the very end. Um, so there was not supposed to be, in the, at least in the original intent, a lot of the president. Would it have been as powerful a show? Would it have resonated as much if you don't have that character? You're sort of empathizing or understanding who that character is. If you were just dealing with the staff and sort of the day-to-day problems that they have. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, not, not not really in the right way. So I mean, I don't know for sure. I don't have any more information than you do about whether that was the original intent. Yeah, but even if it sort of was, my read would be that it changed in the process of actually making a show. Yeah, because you realize that in order to be invested in all of these people surrounding the president, you have to be invested in this presidency. Correct. Correct. And I think the only way they could really do that is by giving us Jack Bartlett. Yeah. in a meaningful way you know at the and same it's not time just, yeah it's not just his personality and his character but also he's sort of the moral compass of this group they go where he points in a lot of ways and sometimes try to deviate or sometimes think it's a better there's a better way but they go the direction that he points yeah or if they're involved a lot of it is about the surrounding staff you know but if it's about them trying to navigate what they're trying to do and what he's trying to do and how they're mm-hmm. trying to do what he wants to do in the broad strokes. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah. I just think it's really important for the show that you're on Bartlett's side and invested in yeah, Bartlett. Exactly. You know, exactly. and um, without that, I don't, I don't think it would work in the same way. And then yeah. personally, I think it gets interesting when we're moving away from that and you have the question of, um, you know, the, the candidates for the next election mm-hmm. and um, uh, and all of that. I guess we won't get into too many late season yeah. spoilers. Um, so let's see. So there's a season four election, a re-election season, and then there's a end of term election, I guess, at the end of the series, right? Right. The last couple of seasons really focus on the, the campaign to replace him, right? Because yeah. he's going to be, his two terms are going to be up. Yeah. And um, then you have uh, Josh going to work with um, that guy's name, Santos, in the show, actually. No relation to George, <laughs> who I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, and Alan Alda. And, and, and anyway, anyway. Alan Alda, that's right. That's right. It's good stuff. And, and um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sorry. I keep. I keep like almost giving more spoilers about what yeah. happens later and then deciding not to. So we'll just, we'll just stop. So Sam, uh, Sam Seaborn or Josh Molina? Who, who, who do you pick? For what? My speechwriter or? Yeah, you're, you're on your staff. Which one do you want? Uh, Sam. Yeah, you got to go Sam. I go Sam. That's one. There are a couple uh, of uh, things that happened here um, where Sam just kind of went to Mandyville. Going to Mandyville relates to <laughs> Mandy, who very much went to Mandyville. There are other characters. Are you familiar with this terminology? This was coined in relation to the West Wing. No, what is it? 
Um, well, do you remember Mandy? Who is Mandy? <laughs> so Mandy's in the very beginning of the show. Oh, wait, is she the prostitute? No, she's like oh. the um man, what is her job? Oh, the one who was there for like seven episodes and then we never saw her again. Yeah, it's like communications. Yeah, 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 yeah. Specialist or whatever. Yeah. Um Moira Kelly, I believe. Yeah. Yes. And um she just disappears. And people are like, <laughs> yeah. so it's this thing in like the fandom. What happened to Mandy? Oh, yeah, she went to Mandyville. You know. <laughs> Sam kind of goes to Mandyville for a while. And I mean the meaning of the term is like basically yeah. there's no explanation within the show what <laughs> happened to this character. They're just gone. Yeah. You know. I think Sam went to run for Congress in California. I think that's what his story was. They might have given him a little bit of an explanation, and then he came back a bit later. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my, Mandy! Mandy just literally disappears. Yeah, she's gone. She's gone. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like they just decided. Yeah, this character is not working. Not yeah. the show anymore. Uh, well, I, I will say, anytime I'm going to be tempted to watch a debate or any news in 2024, I legitimately am going to turn on an episode of this this instead, just to try to try to purge my mind of some uh, of the horribleness that's coming. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not watching these. There've been there've already been a couple of Republican debates. Yeah. I'm not watching this stuff. There have been. No, I'm not. I just I can't do it yet. No offense to people who are, I guess, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, anyhow, uh, we won't get too political here. Uh, this is good. So yeah, no, so next week, next my week, last selection. Oh, oh boy, is uh, Doctor Who. Uh, Heaven sent season Heaven nine, sent. episode eleven. That's of the you know modern reboot or however we refer to this revival. Okay. Uh, Peter Capaldi's Doctor. I, that might be controversial to people that of all the Doctor Who episodes, I'm choosing a Capaldi episode. This is a great episode. So, um, Ryan, yes, I, I have this. seen zero seconds of any Doctor Who in my life. The only exposure I have to Doctor Who is I know that Matthew Smith was at one point a Doctor. Matthew Smith yeah, worked now on, now on. House of the Dragon. He was a doctor. Um, that's all mm. I got. So yeah, I'm David Tennant. In this different thing. That's right. That's right. Christopher Eccleston is the first one in the. Okay. Um, uh, you know, since they brought it back in what 2005, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I I'm I'm quite a big fan of Eccleston's Doctor. He gets you know kind of short shrift out there. Okay. But uh, Eccleston Capaldi. Anyhow. If you like this, Ryan, you've got lots of Doctor Who you could watch after this. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm um, jumping into the yeah, a middle episode of, of season nine, going into it blind. So we'll, we're going to see how this goes. Yeah, for those of you listening along, if you haven't seen Doctor Who and you want to just watch that one episode before next week, I think that'll work okay. That's what I said to Ryan. Uh, so uh, either way, we'll dig into uh, Heaven Sent next week and. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yes. And then after that, that's our last of our eight great episodes. And then we hope the week after to be digging into Fargo season five. That's the plan. We've got some that's logistical details to sort out, but uh, Fargo season five um, comes out on the 21st. Nice little so, Thanksgiving week treat for us. Can't yeah. Wait. So that's part of the logistics. We'll have to talk about this more up there. 
Um, but anyway, thanks everyone for listening and um, always check back next week. Please do check out the website, tvobsessive.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we at TV Obsessive uh, or just search TV Obsessive and find us. Please leave us a good review on the podcast, presuming that you enjoyed it. Uh, if you didn't, you know, you don't have to be mean. Um, <laughs> and uh, go to go to the YouTube and subscribe and, and stuff there too, please. Just as a favor. And uh, I guess that's about it. So we'll be back next week talking about Doctor Who. I can't wait. We'll jump into the phone booth and get it going. All right. See you then. Right? See you then.